welcome to the Healthcare Download with VMG Health. We are the leaders in strategy and transaction advisory dedicated to finding solutions for the healthcare industry. In each episode, we will leverage our expertise to provide trends and timely updates about what is happening on the business side of healthcare so you can move your strategy forward. In this episode, Pulse on the Public Market 2023 Quarter 1 Takeaways from Health Systems and ASCs, we will be interviewing two leaders who oversee VMG Health's Pulse on the Public Market. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Pulse, VMG Health has a team of over 20 professionals tasked with listening to, analyzing, and summarizing earnings calls every quarter on 15 public healthcare companies. Subsequently, this team publishes one-page summaries for each company, which can all be found on our web-based tool, and it's free. I love this tool because it allows us to be up to date what's going on in the market while providing the industry with great, easy-to-read insight. So now I'd like to introduce the experts behind this incredible resource. Savannah Ganyard is a manager, and Colin McDermott is a managing director in VMG Health's Valuation and Transaction Advisory Division. Both Savannah and Colin assist clients around the country with navigating and valuing healthcare transactions. I'm Jen Johnson, VMG Health's Chief Commercial Officer, and I'm ready to get us started with a dose of some practical insight on the business side of healthcare. So Savannah and Colin, welcome. We're all here in Dallas today, which is pretty awesome. We get to be in the same city, in the same office, doing this together. I'm glad to have you. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Very good. Jen, I'm just glad to be here. Okay. I never thought when I went to school to be an accountant that I'd be doing a podcast. (laughs) I know. It's pretty crazy, Uh, isn't it? It's crazy. I know. We're all getting used to it. It's the new world. Yeah, I love Uh, it. Well, I'm really happy to have you. And what I'd like to do first on this is really just take a moment to talk about the pulse on the public market. I mean, this is something you guys both have put a lot of work into, and I want to make sure everyone knows what it offers. So I'm going to go ahead and start with Savannah. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about this resource, like what would be helpful, what you guys look for when putting these summaries together, and really how clients are using it? Yeah, of course. Happy to. Um, VMG has always followed the publicly traded healthcare operators in order to provide our clients with the highest level of expertise in the healthcare industry. So as you mentioned, Jen, each quarter we produce a one-page high-level earnings call summary coupled with interesting quotes on major operational themes for the 15 companies that we follow. Um, Historically, this has been an internal resource at VMG, but about a year ago we made this resource available to the public, to the clients on our website. Especially in today's environment and over the past couple of years, you hear a lot of our clients focused on labor pressures, volume trends, sites of service shifts, and other similar industry trends. And when it comes to the economy or their business, often a lot of our clients or people will spend a lot of time analyzing information that's backwards looking, which of course has its place, but it can be worth spending time listening to companies that have a lot of resources and data to answer questions like, when will these industry trends stop or continue? How might we expect to move forward in this type of environment? Um, And what are other management teams in similar industries doing um, to adapt to these changes? Um, So we find it helpful to pay attention to these earnings calls um, because these commentary from CEOs about their company's future can help shape our understanding and our clients' understanding of what the economy or sector may look like in the future. Yeah, what what I really like too is the equity research community that follow these follows these companies, they ask great questions, sometimes hard questions of the management team. And it, it really does provide some insight around where the industry is going and what, what equity analysts are focused on. 
Yeah, perfect. It really is an excellent resource. We've had nothing but fantastic feedback. So thank you both for that. What I'd like to do now is get into really the heart of this podcast. I'd like to give listeners an overview of what we've learned from 2023 first quarter earnings calls. But first, I want to cue it up by really narrowing down our focus. For this podcast, we decided to just cover the health systems and ASC sector. So we've analyzed HCA, Tenet, Universal Health Services, community health systems, and surgery partners. We're going to go ahead and cover what's happening with volume and labor, as well as M&A and outpatient trends. But I'd like to get started with the market reactions. So I always find this part really fascinating to see changes in stock prices after these earnings calls. For this particular quarter and these five companies, we saw day of stock prices that were really fairly moderate, just ranging from 2 to 6%. But there was one exception, which was community health, and that fell by nearly 40%. So Colin, can you tell listeners just a little bit about what you think factors might be behind this extreme market reaction? Yeah, of course, Shen. I think there's a, a few things that Savannah and I talked about. The first is uh, community released after HCA, and HCA had a good quarter, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So the other publicly traded hospital operators all saw a bump in their stock price because of HCA's positive results. The assumption from the market was it was going to carry through. And uh, community health systems specifically increased almost 16% on, on the day that HCA released just from that from that news alone. Okay, that's not so bad then, huh? <laughs> no, so that's a 16% bump, <laughs> yeah. right? And then, Jen, the second thing that we really talked about was that community missed analyst consensus estimates, and community health systems management indicated the miss between their actual results and consensus is bigger than the miss between their actual results and what management anticipated. So really um, indicating that I think management has some faith in their in their guidance and the miss for Q1 is not as big as they anticipated okay. or the analyst community anticipated. Yeah, consensus, missing, it's always such a big, I mean, the market always overreacts, you know, and we all know that. Yeah, and, and with the with analyst consensus specifically, community didn't give Q1 guidance. So this is their their estimates okay. on, on Q1. A second, and I think this is probably the biggest attributing factor, is communities highly levered. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But as of the day of their earnings release, their uh, net debt to EBITDA ratio was 8.3 times. So significant leverage. Yep. So small changes in enterprise value with debt that's a static results in big increases in underlying equity value. So really, those are the three factors. Uh, the correction uh, from the increase experienced after the other operators, the uh, analyst consensus earnings miss, and then three, their cap structure and the impact on equity. Okay, well, that's a, <laughs> that'll do it, right? <laughs> those are three big ones and a really good explanation. We all do know the market overreacts. And so we're just going to go ahead and keep an eye on this one for next quarter. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So let's, on that note, switch over to some more positive news and move on to HCA. They showed a 4% increase in stock price the day of their earnings call. So I'd like to move over to Savannah. I understand you all have seen some good volume trends across most of these companies when comparing Q1 2023 to Q1 2022. Could you comment on what you learned from HCA's earnings call to give insight on what really worked for them. Sure, happy to. So as you mentioned, it was a positive quarter for the five companies that we're talking about today. Most of their metrics from a value standpoint were um, high single digit growth year over year. 
The one maybe asterisk I'll put on it to keep in mind was last Q1 was impacted by Omicron. So we need to be aware of that when considering this metrics, although surgery partners did note that their Q1 was a stable comparable and the companies did note that there was strong volume growth trends from Q4. So still overall really positive even considering that. HCA, as you mentioned, boasted some of these strong volume metrics. Their same facility equivalent emissions was up 7.5%. And they mentioned a lot of this, obviously, increase in ED, increase in non-COVID admissions, but they especially highlighted their outpatient surgeries being up 10% helped contribute to this. Um, I think another interesting stat that Colin and I were looking at was the outpatient cardiology procedures increasing 7%. So there was some high volume expectations heading into the quarter, but I think that 7.5% is what the analysts have been looking at that beat their expectations and kind of has driven that positive market reaction for them. HCA management said that their volumes were strong throughout the quarter and they feel good. They continue to see good demand in the markets they serve. And that's probably a major factor that we've identified with HCA um, and something that's worked well for them. They have a strong presence and plans to grow in some of the fastest growing states, Florida, Texas. So those trends coupled with a strong management team, strong capital expenditure plans, um, and consistent execution has helped propelled them and given them a strong quarter and hopefully strong quarters to come. Yeah, I think the increase in, in outpa- outpatient volume and admissions is really a positive kind of readout for Q1. It just kind of you ref- reflect back on volumes going back to the pandemic. Obviously, volumes were depressed. And then we started seeing COVID-related emissions going to the hospital that kind of help kind of cover up maybe some of the volume softness that were being experienced at a hospital level. And then seeing, seeing this uh, recovery in Q1, and as Savannah pointed out, with a year-over-year comparable with Omicron, I think is, is, is a positive sign. Yeah, thank you both. That was an excellent overview. I noticed you mentioned some outpatient increases, and this has obviously been a huge trend that most of us think will continue. So I'm going to turn it back over to Colin on this. Can you provide some just commentary on what these public companies are saying related to this outpatient trend? Yeah, of course, Jen. It's obvious, It's positive, right? I mean, that's first and foremost. It's no secret that uh, volume is shifting a hospital-based setting and moving into an outpatient or ambulatory-based setting. Over the last few years, it's been readily apparent, particularly in orthopedics, I mean, across the specialties, that's where we, uh, all the public operators are really focused on where orthopedic volume's going. Uh, kind of moving away from the hospital operators for just a minute and talking about a payer, United Healthcare, you might have heard of them. They're not small. Of course, yep. <laughs> uh, just a little uh, giant. Yeah, they had something really interesting in their earnings call, and they commented that inpatient trends continue to reflect the growing long-term movement towards ambulatory sites of care, and went on to say nearly two-thirds of orthopedic procedures are performed in outpatient or other ambulatory settings compared to under one-fourth of the procedures just five years ago. That's insane. Yeah, pretty dramatic shift. Very big. So if you think about you're comparing baseline volumes and you're comparing baseline volumes when there's been a fundamental shift of cases out of a hospital-based setting into another site of service. So it's really, um, you know, it's, it's just something to be in mind as you think about volumes and volume related trends. And HCA too had a similar quote related to total joints specifically. They said pre pandemic, about 80% of their total joints were done inpatient, 20% outpatient post pandemic. Um, they've seen that 
flip as well. So similar yeah. notes to United. Yeah, dramatic is the word. This is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that HCA went on to say uh, is uh, on kind of attributing some of their growth trends and some of the positive trends that they've experienced was that they have a multifaceted offering for both patients and physicians. So they have outpatient facility, outpatient uh, services within their facilities I think they're talking about their hospitals, along with ambulatory surgery centers. So one of these two settings is right for about every patient, and they attributed their growth in, to this multifaceted offering, and that was one of the reasons they indicated they saw positive uh, year-over-year total joint growth. Okay, yeah. I think this is, you know, first of all, really great for the financial feasibility for health systems, and not to mention pretty good for patient care, <laughs> I would think. So I, I like this trend. Now, that's all good news, but I know a lot of these companies are also having to work really hard in this economy to keep costs down. One of the major trends that keeps popping up as a challenge is labor. So Savannah, back to you. Can you give us some examples of what these companies are facing and how they're trying to handle labor issues? Sure. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard labor or wage pressures over the past year, I would be no kidding. pretty well off. <laughs> um, and unfortunately... That trend is still continued um, this quarter. I don't think we're back to where we used to be. Um, many of the operators commented on that. UHS specifically um, noted that the acute care staffing um, has been slower to recover than they initially thought. So a lot of times when these operators have been talking about staffing, they've looked at the contract labor metric. So over the past year and in this quarter, we're con continuing to see downward trends, but not back to pre-pandemic levels. And Tenant even commented that they don't expect to get back to normal this year. So not as great of news. I know we would all like to be back to normal and everything going well, but positive trends moving downward, getting closer. I think the one thing that the operators are kind of thinking about now in terms of staffing is we talked about all this great volume demand and now making sure that they have the staffing to meet that demand. HCA commented, as we increase our staffing capacity, it also affects our surgical capacity because we do have instances when we're not able to open all of our operating rooms as sufficiently as we would prefer. So definitely something that we're keeping our eye on um, and hopefully something that continues to improve throughout the quarter, but still, still definitely a struggle for some of the operators. Yep. Yep. It's still a major trend. Um, so we kind of hit the big ones, right? Volume and labor. Uh, we've set the stage pretty well here. So let's turn to how this is all impacting M&A for these companies. Um, and I'd like to move to Colin. And are you expecting to see more M&A with health systems and any predictions for the ASC space? Perfect. Thanks, Jen. Let's let's start with that hospital sector, and then we'll move to the ASC sector. As we reflect on Q4 of 2021 through calendar year of 2022, we're all aware it's been challenging financially. Savannah touched on the labor issues. And while the for-profit sector is working through these issues, there continues to be challenges for the smaller independent operators. The financial pressures that these health systems are feeling have to continue to drive some consolidation. Uh, we, we talked about community health systems and their leverage ratios a little bit. They're being pretty open about continuing to evaluate interest from outside parties related to potential divestitures. They sold their hospitals in West Virginia. They're in the process of selling the North Carolina assets subject to regulatory approval. 
and uh, I think have a potential transaction pending in Arkansas. Community Health Systems indicated they remain engaged in continuing discussions about other potential transactions, which if they happen, could provide opportunities to help them pay down their debt or potentially reinvest in what they perceive as their core markets. Okay, so they've got activity coming. Yeah, there's, there's definitely activity. There's going to be consolidation, continued consolidation. It's not, it's not a secret. Uh, talking a little bit about the ASC sector, we talked about the migration of cases from a hospital-based setting to an ambulatory-based setting. That's going to yeah. drive investment into the sector. Of course. Hands down. Uh, Tenet indicated that they intended to invest $250 million in M&A, and they have a r- robust pipeline to support that level of M&A. Wow. Surgery Partners indicated, I think they spent $60 million during Q1. Yes. And have $200 million of total spend that they're planning for the year. So significant investments by both Surgery Partners and Tenet. And that um, $200 million is just for acquisitions, I believe. Wow, really? Yeah, that's right. They, meaning they, they both are also considering de novo opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Tenet's doing a really great job with how they communicate to the market around their ambulatory strategy. They, they put out a quarterly management uh, presentation to the, uh, that's posted on their website, and they, do a, they put a lot of information around, around their ambulatory division in that document. Okay. One of the things that's really interesting is they, they put their attractive returns in the ASC sector, indicating what they pay for an ASC on a multiple what their effective multiple is after they they bring in some synergy, being a being a sophisticated operator, and then they even have what their returns look like on de novo opportunities. Wow. That's a lot of data they're putting out. Yeah, they're putting out a lot of information really on on ambulatory, and I think some of this reporting is really new in the last quarter or two. Huh. Okay, I love that. That's a dream for us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> being able to see all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's it's, great. It's good information. So lots of activity is likely coming, right, and will continue to come. So. This is a good time to plug the M&A report by BMG, which just came out about a month ago. And that covers everything from multiples, notable deals. And we actually cover nine major healthcare sectors, including have a deep dive on the ASCs. So I just had to plug that. Uh, but let's go ahead and finish off this topic. And we'll, we'll end with management's guidance and analysts, what they were saying about the future when you're listening to those earnings calls. And I'll go ahead and turn this over to Savannah. Yep, perfect. So interestingly, and not surprisingly, HCA and Tenet um, at this quarter raised their revenue and EBITDA guidances for the remainder of the year, primarily due to the strong results of the quarter um, and favorable factors that they expect to continue. UHS reaffirmed their revenue and EBITDA guidance, although management did note that they, I think, haven't raised guidance in however many years and they're not going to start it doing now, but they feel very comfortable that they'll achieve those levels. Um, community reaffirmed their revenue and EBITDA guidance, and they still feel comfortable that they can achieve those even after their first quarter. Analysts' reactions to that from what we've been able to gather, so after HCA raised their guidance, consensus did increase, although not at the same proportion. For tenant consensus estimates remained relatively flat after they raised guidance, um, but they were previously slightly above the high end of the range. So that's kind of how we've seen consensus react to HCA and tenant. And then UHS, even though they didn't change the guidance, consensus did raise. So positive going into the next quarter, into the remainder of the year, I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Okay. Oh, it's always nice to hear something positive. All right. Well, thank you. Um, And that was really just overall such a good way to get up to speed on these five major healthcare companies and the trends out there. I think it's worth noting at this point that 
following these companies so closely provides such important insight to the healthcare market overall. And you guys, all of us internally at VMG and our clients really appreciate the work that's been put into this resource. So big thank you to both of you and your team. So what I'd like to do, which I always do, is recap our episodes. So pretty easy. First, we've got health systems and ASCs are definitely starting to recuperate as we sit here post-pandemic based on the volume data we're seeing. Second, labor challenges are still a main area of concern. Third, the trend in building strategy around the outpatient space seems to be strong. And fourth, M&A activity seems to be strong. So Savannah and Colin, again, we appreciate you both for the excellent insight and want to make sure listeners know they can reach out to either of you anytime with questions and be sure to check out the Pulse on the Public Market through the VMG Health website. Everybody take care. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Download with VMG Health. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts to receive new episodes when they release the first Wednesday of each month. You can also go to vmghealth.com or visit the episode notes to follow VMG Health's monthly newsletter and to learn more about this conversation.